Podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. On today's episode of Beyond the Known, our guest is Ashley Ringo Johnson, group benefits consultant right here at the Star Group. Ringo, nice to have you. Great to be here, Lee. All right. Well, you got to educate our audience here because I just cannot say your name without calling you Ringo. Where the heck did that come from? How did that start? Well, are we going all the way back? Because if we're going all the way back, it would be when you started here a weekend and we're at the Christmas party. So first introduction and all of you know Paul Newberger, hopefully showing up at a Christmas party with a your suit to explain that Christmas bright green candy canes all over and it's the first real introduction I get to Paul here and he shares a story I don't know if you want to share it or if I do about so he shares it I was lucky to sit at a table with Paul Lee and what we get here is he tells a story how he was named and his dad I think I get this right loves the Beatles And he said he was named after his dad's favorite beetle. And luckily, that was Paul and not Ringo. So by the end of the night, we had a photo booth set up, fun things you could write on, and me barely knowing Paul at all, I started writing Ringo on everything. So his name was Ringo. Somewhere along the line here, he gives me a call just like I did at the beginning of this, you know, he's like, hey, Lee, how you doing? And I'm like, doing well, Lee. And so we flipped the names. So he's been Lee and now I've been Ringo. Just like that. It's so hard. I mean, it's hard to be the president of an insurance agency. It's hard to sell during the middle of a global pandemic. It's hard to maintain a world-class corporate culture, but it makes it even more hard to keep all these nicknames straight. We have a lot of them. We have a lot of nicknames floating around. Yes. So anything to make life a little bit more jocular around the workplace, that's certainly something we'd like to do. So anyway, Ringo, it's wonderful to have you here. And one of the things that I kind of wanted to start this conversation with is why group benefits? I mean, you're obviously very passionate about this. I mean, you're a talented person. You could be successful in just about any line of work that you go down. Why group benefits and where does the passion for this line of work come from? Well, thank you. I thought you'd never ask. No. (laughs) So the passion really comes from, one, my background before I was at the Star Group was actually in wellness. So I did on-site medical clinics, worked with over 200 companies in the Milwaukee area on helping with their culture and implement on-site clinics and wellness. But before I was doing all of that, I actually, I'm a farmer's daughter. I grew up in Clinton, Wisconsin. There's another nickname in there too, but we'll just leave that for now. And so farmer's daughter, grew up on a farm. My parents always dreamed of opening up a family farm, having a family fun farm per se. So really what led me down the path of being at Benefits was watching my parents actually go through struggles of owning their own pumpkin patch. It grew from a small dream to a huge, people would come from everywhere to be a part of what we did at this farm. And so Unfortunately, so they opened that up in early 2000, and unfortunately, we had to close that in 
about 2014, we shut the doors just because they had ongoing struggles. They had grown the farm to be something that people came from everywhere, but they couldn't retain and attract employees. They were having high costs. Benefits are such a big piece of that. And I saw my parents struggle with keeping their doors open. I never wanted to see somebody else do that. So being on the benefits side just made sense. So how do you work every day to make sure that what happened with your parents doesn't happen with other organizations? What kind of conversations do you have? What kind of solutions do you provide? Well, so I always believe in not pushing that easy button. So unfortunately, what I saw my parents go through, it was being guided in directions that really were a more one size fits all versus customization, learning about my clients, their culture, and finding a solution that fits their needs, not what somebody else is kind of guiding you to, somebody who doesn't know their business truly and doesn't have their best interests at heart. Talk to me a little bit about this easy button. I've heard you mention that a time or two since we've started working together, not even so much in a work sense, but just a personal sense, just a life sense. Why is it rarely a good idea to hit the easy button in this thing called life? Well, that's a really good question. And I mean, you know, I am a true believer that, you know, you get out of life what you put into it. So if you're going through things just kind of lackadaisical, taking those easy paths, maybe not finding those challenges and challenging yourself, I don't think you're going to get as much out of it. I find that in the things that I do with work, working hard at family and friends and really being mindful of giving them what I would want in return. How do you challenge yourself, would you say? Because you're right. If we're not constantly pushing, if we're not constantly going outside of our comfort zone, if we're not constantly trying to better ourselves, we regress, we stay stagnant. And I don't think anybody wants to be in a position like that. I mean, you've been with us for a few years now. You've had some very good years with us as an agency. You've touched a lot of lives. You've brought a lot of value to people. But I know partly it's because you're always challenging yourself. So what does Ashley Johnson do to challenge yourself on a daily basis? Well, I love learning. So, I mean, I'm a forever student. I think, you know, as you kind of alluded to, if I'm not doing nothing or if I'm not continuing to grow and excel, then, you know, I'm just not being myself. So to challenge myself, it is. I mean, I primarily on the business side, I specialize in self-funding. For anyone who knows, that's not always the easy path. With clients, that can be a hard thing for them, but... I love ongoing education, so that's something I'm always educating myself, educating my clients, and also their members and employees. But I'm always that person who has a notepad, I'm taking notes. People always notice that about me, that I want to soak everything in and then grow from there. Talk to me about a success story. Group benefits is an interesting animal, to say the least. There's a lot to learn. It's always changing. It can be exceedingly complicated. And I've been very fortunate as the president of this agency to work alongside you for a couple of years. And, you know, there's been some misses. There's been some bad days. I don't think we're human if we don't have that. But there's also been some pretty powerful success stories. Can you walk us through an example? And again, if you don't have to, if you don't want to give specific names, that's fine. But just a, a situation where you entered the picture and you were able to really leave it in a much better place than what you found. 
So I won't use names, but what I will share is I do have a particular client that I work with that they had a long-standing relationship with their broker. I came in as a consultant and, you know, it's hard when you have a close friend that you work with to make a change from that. Somebody you feel comfortable with, but you also may feel that they may not be looking at all the other options or looking at the company as a whole or even going as far as looking at the culture. So after many meetings with them, they did come over to the SAR group and that was a great day. But from there, that's just where the work was beginning. They are a manufacturing company that had knew they wanted to work on their culture. I mean, sitting down and talking with them, they didn't do, sorry, a lot for wellness. You know, they hadn't really implemented any of those programming. But they also knew, just like many manufacturers in this area, that they're an aging population, that they need to look at their culture, their wellness, what they can do to really provide risk reduction and do things preventive. So group benefits can be a rather large umbrella to some degree. You know, you could say, well, I'm in insurance. Well, man, there's a lot of stuff that goes under insurance. There's a lot of stuff that goes under group benefits. Would you say, Ringo, that you have a niche? And if so, what is it? Well, it's not. I work with a lot of manufacturers, but I think my niche when it comes to in being a benefits consultant is that wellness, that culture. And, you know, every company has a culture. So helping them make a culture by design, a winning culture, adding in the wellness, the preventive care, and then just really that holistic approach to their benefits so they can retain and attract employees. With that client before, they now have gone from where we were just starting no wellness very beginning of self-funding to now they have ongoing education for their employees. And I was just out there recently and to hear the change, the shift that they have with their employees, it's like a culture shift. They are, I did a presentation out there about being a smart healthcare consumer and they were the most engaged company I've had in a long time. Asking questions where if you would have looked at them three years ago, they weren't thinking about any of this. There's a shift. So I would say that's really my niche is finding those companies that want to drive that culture and to have that wellness, that really not easy button approach, but make a change. We have a rather sophisticated audience that listens to this podcast, entrepreneurs, business owners, et cetera. So if somebody's listening to this and says, you know, gosh, darn it, I'm going to start creating a purposeful culture, one that people really want to be a part of. How do they go about doing that? What would you say would be one of the first steps or two that somebody who wants to get purposeful about their culture should consider taking? Well, they have to have a vision. So when you say culture, okay, or I have a good culture, that can mean one thing to one person versus another. All companies are not created equal. All people, you know, are very different. So I think if you're a company out there and you're looking to find, have an outstanding culture, really cultivate a winning culture for you, you need to know what you're looking to accomplish. Know your people, have them get involved. It's not something that one person can do on their own and it does not happen overnight. What I like about what you do, Ashley, is you don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk. You're talking about bringing in a culture of health and wellness. 
you live health and wellness. You're talking about your organizations being the best possible version of themselves. You try to be the best possible version of yourself. And I know that, I think it's still ongoing, but you were involved with a fitness competition, which I think is pretty remarkable considering, again, your ability to walk the walk. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to do that. So actually, before I started in the great world of benefits consulting, way back when when I went to school, I studied kinesiology. So I was at UW-Milwaukee, and that's when I found, I mean, I've always been in athletics, but I thought for sure I was going to be a personal trainer for the rest of my life. You know, at that point in time, I was exposed to the world of bodybuilding, if anyone have seen me, you're not going to think Ashley's a bodybuilder, right? But over the last two years now, I actually have started competing in NPC bodybuilding. So it's something I took up as more of a challenge to myself. It had been something I had never done. But back in the day when I was a personal trainer, I thought that looks like something I'd like to try someday. And I did. And honestly, last year, I think if I wouldn't have had that, along with the, you know, challenges that came with COVID, I was trying to compete in my first competition during a pandemic. You know, a lot of people would give up and not even go forward. I did three competitions last year and also, you know, had been working here, excelling here, working with my clients. So I didn't just do one. And true me, I'm just going to dive all in. And I did three and I plan on doing a few more this year. So what have you learned about yourself? I know it hasn't been easy. I know it's been tough. Uh, you're also a mom. I mean, you've got a lot of obligations on your plate. What have you learned about yourself through this competition and in this process? And how are you a better person because of it? Well, other than being a glutton for punishment, apparently. No, <laughs> no. What I've learned, I mean, you know, challenging yourself is such a big thing. And honestly, I never, if, you know, I look back a couple of years ago, I would have never thought I would have did what I did last year, pushing myself. Wow. I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was just in the capability of being able to push forward. And it's really helped me both, you know, professionally, personally, and it did help me be a better mom, more present, and just better all around in the last year. Because I think, unfortunately, some people can relate to having COVID impact them. I mean, we all had it impact us in ways, but some people kind of reverted into a shell. And I don't think if I wouldn't have had these goals that I would have been able to make it through the way I did. So what advice would you give to some of the business owners or the C-suite executives that might be listening to this, that your story? What advice would you have in terms of helping them find out what that thing is and how they can pursue something like that? Well, obviously, this isn't the first thing I tried, right? So, I mean, it is one, you know, sitting down and really thinking about what you're passionate about or as a business owner, what are the directions you want to go in? And you just have to, at first you don't succeed, try, try again, right? We've heard that ever since we were kids. So you might not get it right the first time around. You might not find that thing that drives you. But if you keep looking, you will. If you really sit and be mindful about what you want and what your goals are and what you're passionate about, you will find that track. And it takes work. You know, sure, were there times that I wanted to give up? Have there been times in my life that 
I wanted to stop. Of course, we've all had them, but just keep pushing forward. We talked earlier about how you got into insurance, and that was certainly a compelling story, one that I know very well, for sure. What drives you? Where does this fuel and this fire come from? I think it's something that was instilled by my family, right? So, I mean, when I think about what drives me, of course, it's family. I want to be successful. I want to give my son, you know, every boost he can have in life. But when I really think about how I became who I am, how I ended up driven, it does fall back to watching my mom, my dad, whether, I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about the farm, but that wasn't the only job. They were both working and having that successful farm, right? So they've always been driven and that just made me want to do that and more. You know, I was very lucky to have great family, great role models And I think that just instilled that in. Plus, I'm really competitive. So, I mean, that's helpful too. I definitely can appreciate and understand that. And I know your competitive drive isn't just internally focused. Like, it's not just how can I be better? How can I do more? You also turn that competitive drive externally. How can I do more for my clients? How can I serve them better? How can I bring more value? How can I get them to appreciate maybe what I'm bringing even more than they already do? So with that in mind, what is one thing you wish more organizations knew about group benefits? I'm sure you see the same questions a lot. There's a lot of misconceptions out there often. What is one thing you wish more organizations fully understood about group benefits? Well, I guess I would say, you know, to them, you're not stuck. So really, people hear it in group benefits and in healthcare, you see rising healthcare costs. I've talked with companies that are just like, okay, this is what we have to do year over year. When you talk to them about insurance, and again, I'm a benefits consultant, I'm not just going in and talking to them about that, but they seem stuck. They seem like they're in this healthcare jail and there's no way out. This is how things have been done. And I would just say, you're not stuck. There are things that are already out here to help you gain control and really wrap your hands around group benefits. Because, I mean, a lot of times it's just easy to say, okay, this is how things have been done, but it doesn't mean that that's the best way to do them. So again, it always comes down to that easy button. You can explore different options. I do that with my clients all the time. I'm very passionate about it. So if you feel you're stuck, you're not. There are definitely ways that can bring you out to a place where you feel great for your employees and for yourself. So if somebody's stuck, if somebody's in a rut, if somebody feels they don't have any options and they said, you know what, that, that Ringo, there's something about her. Maybe she can get me unstuck. How does somebody contact you? What would they need to know, email address, phone number to reach out to you to start a conversation like that? Yes. So they can reach me here at my email is ajohnson at stargroup.com. And you can reach me just by calling into the number here at the Star Group. You can reach me at 414-581-4984 as well. So let's pretend for a minute now, I want to know what the market's going to be like in the next year and beyond. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but based on what you know about group benefits and insurance, we just had an election year. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. What are some of your predictions for 2021 as it pertains to health insurance? So I always say I wish I had a crystal ball because that would make things easier. 
But I do know, you know, one, after having the pandemic and healthcare has changed, right? So that group benefit changes along with it. Companies were challenged in 2020, both on their culture and being able to retain and attract. So there's changes coming this year, whether it is, you know, having those virtual visits and really changing the way people do and deliver healthcare. But there's also some big change coming in regards to the marketplace for what you can do in the self-funded arena, giving more controls to those companies being able to have transparency. That's something we talk about all the time. There's transparency. And in the fully insured world, you get some, but you don't get a lot. So there's changes coming. There are going to be more of a demand for people to understand what they're paying for, both from a perspective of a member or patient who's going into a facility and also on the employer, what they're paying for healthcare costs. So I'm happy about that change. Transparency is great. You need to know what you're working with. Transparency is always a good thing. So we've said wellness a couple of times. I know that's something that you take seriously. It's something that you live. It's something that is a passion for you. And I think it's also a passion for us here as an agency. It's part of our culture. It's part of our fabric and who we are. And we actually have a wellness committee here at the Star Group to make sure that we're always doing things in the best interest of the agency, in the best interest of our employees. From a wellness perspective, you are very familiar with this committee because, gosh darn it, you sit on this committee. So could you tell us a little bit about that? The wellness committee, of course, it implies, right? We do the wellness here. But for those of you who maybe do not know our program here at the Star Group, for me coming from wellness in the past and coming over to the Star Group, I will tell you that the wellness team before I even got here was far beyond a lot of what I have seen out in the wellness world before. Mary Starr and the team here have really excelled in bringing wellness and resources and tools to the employees here at the Star Group. You know, our program is jam-packed for a full year with options for everyone. We have biometric screenings along with coaching that we work with U.S. Health Center on, But along with that, you know, we have our two-step challenges we do each year, multiple, I mean, gosh, I don't even know. I think we do over 15 different lunch and learns a year. So we have a lot. It is, if you look at this calendar of events, it's pages. But what's great about that is, again, it's not that one size fits all. There's really something in it for everyone. And we have seen the numbers health numbers be impacted for the better because of it. Yeah, lots of great stuff taking place on this committee. Sticking with the theme of wellness, you had talked about you're very active and excited about bringing wellness to your clients. So you do a lot of different things to educate your clients. I know you do presentations and lunch and learns and that kind of thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, so we talked a little bit about the wellness program here at the Star Group. So we have one of the best programs, I mean, ranked, you know, here in the Metro Milwaukee area and nationwide. We're known for having a great wellness program, one that far exceeds, you know, just this area, right? And so for best practices, I mean, this is what we do. I take this, the ideas that we have here, I take those out to the clients 
And we can use some of the things, whether it's bringing them the step challenges or working with them on their biometrics or even, you know, talking about lunch and learns. I do my own presentations. I've done, I guess I use a star group employees, my colleagues here a little bit as my guinea pigs. They get to hear the presentation first. And if I get the go ahead, I take it out to my clients. So I just recently did one on being a smart healthcare consumer. I guess it's smart healthcare consumer 2.0 because this is my second one I've done for them. And they, I guess, gave me the thumbs up. So I'm taking that out to clients currently. And that's really just about navigating the healthcare system, getting the most out of your benefits, and then also knowing how to really take care of yourself. I had somebody say in a presentation the other day, I was doing Smart Healthcare Consumer, and they were talking about how they didn't feel comfortable with their doctor. Actually, sadly, they called their doctor a quack, and that's not great, but part of this presentation is shopping around, being a better consumer, finding a different doctor. We pay a lot for healthcare, so getting the most out of it. And that's a presentation I'm very passionate about. I also just did one on meal prep. Have not taken that out to any clients yet, but I think I will in the near future. And that's just based off of what I've done in the bodybuilding world. One of the final questions I'd have for you here, Ringo, is this. You hear this a lot where you'll talk to an organization. And again, I know they have to qualify. I know they have to profile a certain way. They have to have all the right stuff, as it were. But you hear this a lot. Ah, fully insured is safer. Self-funded is a little too risky. Why are they right? Why are they wrong? So you hear that a lot. You're right. So fully insured, I mean, some companies, that's the where that's where they need to be, right? But I would say, you know, a lot of times you hear on size, oh, I'm too small for self-funding or there's too much risk. And, you know, you're taking on more control. So there may be some things and we work to educate those employers to understand how that self-funded piece works. But risk-wise, I mean, it is our job to work with you to make sure you're not taking on more risk. You know, that is what we do as consultants. We're not going to steer you in the wrong direction. We provide you with options. And as I said, you know, self-funded for us, that's what we live and breathe every day. We want to get our clients into being able to control their healthcare costs. And I talk about that transparency piece. If you don't have that, how can you make changes moving forward? But for some, you know, fully insured may be the spot that they need to be. So, you know, is there more risk with it? No, but if it isn't set up correctly, could there be? Yes. Well, well said, and that wasn't the only thing that you said well during the course of this podcast. It's been a very enlightening conversation. But again, Ashley Johnson, thank you so much for all that you do as a group benefits consultant here at the Star Group. It was a pleasure to learn from you today, and it's always nice to have you on the program. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-Group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.